Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, I, I preached um, last night on, on the love of God, and it was almost like I, I don't know how to explain it. I felt like I stepped into a hole, like I, I stepped into a hole. It was an anointing hole. <laughs> It's, it's kind of like the only thing that I can explain. It's like a black hole that you fall in and there's no, there's no escaping. And um, it's, I guess, you know something? God's love is, is very real. And I can, I can try to explain it to you philosophically. But how do you philosophize about a kiss? How do you, how do you get, you know, you know, philosophical about what a kiss is like? And that's... You know, the, God's love is more than cunningly devised fables. It's sweeter than the sweetest kiss. And this kiss is life-changing. It's, it's divine affection. It's the affection of God. We've seen it displayed in the life of His Son, but take, tasting it ourselves is where our life is changed. And this love is, is literally poured out upon our lives. We, you know, we, we close our eyes, we open our hearts, we step into the, the presence of the Lord and, and we sense something very real, the power of His presence. It's the, it's the heavenly kiss. It's the life-changing uh, visitation of the Holy Spirit. He gives us a, a, a sudden taste of the reality of the other world. And I, I pray today that you'd, you'd taste and see that the Lord is good. So I've got this, this message. It's called, for lack, of another, for, for lack of a title, it's called, Am I Really Saved? And it goes... This is kind of a takeoff on last week about you must be born again. Am I really saved? And it starts with a, a devotion that I wrote last week called Ultimate Intimacy. And it's, it's the end of the book, Revelations 21. If you, if you haven't read the end of the book, it's a good place to start. To start at the end because you might have not, not have time to start at the beginning. So start at the end and work your way back. He said, I, John... This is the, last, the second to the last chapter. I, I, John, saw the holy city. He said, I saw it. I'm not telling you something I thought or heard or someone else told me. I saw this for myself. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And it was prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. For a bride and groom, the wedding day is everything. As the great day draws near, the rest of their life seems to be secondary. Their new life is about to begin. The happy couple has great expectations, expectations of a a new kind of life. The kind of life that they make movies about. They plan the wedding, the reception, reception, and of course the honeymoon. The honeymoon will mark the beginning of this brand new kind of life. Paul taught us that marriage, marriage relationship was a picture it's a picture of a higher kind of relationship. So, you know, marriage in, in, all, of its, in all of its beauty and all of its splendor and all of its attractiveness, Paul said was only a picture, a shadow of something that was far greater than, than even the love shared between a man and a woman. He said there was something higher, something that can't be understood with just natural words. I can't explain to you in natural, with natural language, but it's, it's real. I've tasted it for myself. I've tasted this other kind of love, and, and we see pictures and shadows of, of the reality of God, and marriage is one of those. 
if you know what I'm saying. Is anyone listening to me this morning? He says it's a picture of God's plan of intimacy between Christ and the church. That's the, that's the main purpose of marriage. Of course it has all the other purposes. The repopulation of the earth and for, for our own, the, the, the nucleus of our culture. And for a husband and wife to, to love one another and to be satisfied in one another's arms. But, but it's just a shadow of another world and of another love that's far greater than this love. Just a shadow. It's a picture of God's plan of intimacy between Christ and the church. Now listen to this. Just as a young child, a five or six-year-old, has no concept of marital joy. He has no clue. A five-year-old guy doesn't like girls, at least most of the time. I mean, sometimes you might have, a, have some sort of a strange kid that's attracted. But, but, you know, most of the time, five-year-old boys, they think the little girls have cooties and they're not interested they had much more, much more interested in dump trucks and ice cream cones. They're not ready for any of that. Other. They don't even know that there's a, a joy to be experienced in the other sex because they are fine right now with their ice cream cones. Is anyone listening to me? Okay. So, it's a, so this, this is the way it is. A young child has no concept of marital joy. Are you kidding? What could bring more joy than ice cream? We, in the same way as adults, we have no way of imagining a greater joy than one experienced by young lovers caught up in marital bliss. That might be the highest, the highest form of, of enjoyment in, li- of, in this life is the, the beautiful relationship between a man and a woman who are in love with one another. It's, but, and we have no concept without Christ, without a relationship with Christ, no concept of anything greater than that kind of love. There's no way to understand the joys of the other worlds except from the foretaste we receive in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When He comes down, He changes everything and we become aware of another another world, another life, another power, absolutely another reality that's more real than this reality that we experience in this world. Amen. So, so Jonathan Edwards wrote powerfully about this spiritual joy that flows from intimacy with God. This is, this is powerful. It's the, it's the culmination of the plan of God. It's the great day. It's the reason we were born. It's the next great day on the prophetic calendar when Christ Jesus comes for the bride of Christ. He splits the heaven and we're caught up to be with Him forever in the air with the Lord's. And for those who've never tasted His love, it's not even inviting. Oh yeah, it's not. So here is Jonathan Edwards. He says, come hither and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Then will come the time when Christ will sweetly invite his spouse to enter in with him into the palace of his glory, which he's been preparing for her from the foundation of the world. And shall, as it were, take her by the hand and lead her in with him. And this glorious bridegroom and bride shall, shall with all their shining ornaments, ascend up together into the heaven of heavens. The whole multitude of the glorious angels waiting for them and this son and daughter of God shall in their united glory and joy present themselves together before the Father when Christ shall say, Here am I and the children which you've given to me. And they both shall in that relation and union together receive the Father's blessing and they shall thenceforth rejoice together in consummate, uninterrupted, immutable, everlasting glory. Now to some people, this little pass, this little paragraph, I might as well have been speaking in tongues. 
because you have no idea. That is a real, that's a real clue, a real hint. There's more to life than you know yet. There's a love, we'll be lost in the love and embraces of each other and joint enjoyment of the love of the Father. Yep, there is a joy greater than ice cream. Can anybody say amen? There is, yeah, it's, it's found e- even in this world. There is also a greater love than the love between two lovers. Somebody could say amen. Taste and see for yourself. This joy is reserved for the thirsty. So this is, we're going to give you this morning, just in the next few minutes, a Holy Ghost litmus test. You can check and see if you're really saved or not. You can know for certain. Before this service is over, you can determine whether you've been born again or not. And here we go. You ready? He says, and this is John. This is the lover. This is John. You know, now how, how do we know? What, what kind of authority did John have? Well, John, John had actually fallen in to the black hole of the love of God. John had been caught up in the love of Jesus. He was, the, he was different from anyone else that's ever lived. He had a privileged relationship and a privileged life. He walked with Christ in a different dimension than anyone else that, that's ever been alive has lived. He, he was found at the Lord's Supper actually reclining on the Lord's breast. Oh yeah, adult men don't act like that unless your name is Jesus and John. He was laying on his breast. He was reclining on his bosom. He had, been, he, had, he had found his place in Christ. He had lost his identity in Christ. It reminds me of John 1, 18, where it says that Jesus was in the Father's bosom from eternity. John was caught up in the Father's love. All he had known was the love of God. That's all that mattered to him. He had been lost in this love affair with God Almighty and had caught him up. It says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So it starts out, how do I know? How can I really, really know that I've been born again? Well, here's here's the first real evidence. Something happens in your life, and suddenly your heart strings are changed. Suddenly, you not only believe in God, after all, the devil believes in God. The devils all believe in God. They know he's real. They don't love him. They don't follow him. And, and, and there's many people that believe there is a God. They have a philosophical idea about God. But, but someday all of that changes when, when you suddenly fall into God's black hole and you're kissed with his kisses and you're wrapped up in his arms of love. And suddenly there's a, there's a change on the inside of you and you become unexpectedly a lover of God. Wow, you begin to, to recognize, wow. There's a, new, there's a new love in my life. I love Jesus. I love him. My life's been changed. I used to love, I used to have other kinds of love. I used to love Boone's Farm. I used to love Mogan David. I used to love marijuana. But something strange happened to me. Something strange. I, I was touched by God and there was an awakening inside of me, something very special and very real. And suddenly, I not only believed that God was real, I began to have a love for Him. My heartstrings were changed and I began to love God. I became a lover of God. 
Wow. And that, that is everything. Oh, I don't just believe in him. I love him. I've been caught up in his love. And I'll, I'll go anywhere and do anything for him because he's transformed my life. Love is in my life now. We, we know God. And, and so how else can I know that I, that I love God? Well, this is even, this is even a, a tougher test. It says, every beloved, let us love one another. Love one another. Wow, this, this same love that, that poured into me. It's, you know, this is the way Jesus said it in the Gospel of John, chapter 7. He was crying out in the temple on the, on the, in the, on the, at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he began to cry out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He was describing the life change, the Holy Spirit coming in, and suddenly you became a lover of God, and you began to love God with your worship. And then the other, the other evidence came. He, this love was flowing out of me. This love of God for, for human beings, this love of God for sick people, this love of God for poor people and hurting people and miserable people. There was a change. And I began, to, I began to love people. I began to love people that didn't think like me, that didn't look like me, that didn't dress like me, that didn't have the same skin color as me, that didn't have the same social background as me. I began to love people because something took over my life. It was this love of God, love for Him and love for people. I couldn't help myself anymore. There was a change in my life. I wanted to, to see people fixed. I wanted to fix them. I wanted to help them. I wanted to love them. I wanted to pray for them. I wanted to see them overcome their struggles. This is how you really know. This is how you really know. So God is love. He goes on to say, this is the foundation. He says, he who does not love does not know God. And here's three simple words. For God is love. God is love. This is, this is the theology of John. It got simpler and simpler the older he got. God is love. It's, it's, it was said about him in tradition. We don't know how much truth there was there, but it says at the end of John's life that he couldn't say that that became his whole sermon. That was all he had ever say is, is God is love. 